Welcome to Tales from the Rabbit Hole. My guest today is Stephen Hassan, a mental health professional and a leading expert on cults and mind control who has been helping people out of the rabbit hole since 1976 when he left the Unification Church of uh, Sun Young Moon, popularly known as the Moonies. He now teaches at Harvard Medical School and is the author of four books on cults and related topics and has helped uh, countless people escape the influence of cults. So, uh, Steve, thank you very much for being here. Yeah, thank you, Mick. And I really enjoyed reading your book, Plug. Um, As someone who's been dealing with cult groups that are formed around conspiracy theories, like the Moonies, the one I was in, or Scientology, just to name two, uh, it was really refreshing to hear someone from a completely different angle come up with similar realizations about what works and what doesn't work. And I really liked your your idea of a scale of different mm. extreme conspiracy theories and getting people to kind of identify which ones they don't like, you know, or they don't believe in and such. And to 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 use that as a kind of stepping stone. And I, there was a number of other things that I really appreciated about what you were advocating. Oh, thank you very much. And I think I think part of that is kind of because. Uh, your book was an inspiration for my book. Uh, your, your first book, um, Combating, uh, Combating Cult, Cult Mind Control, Control was yeah. uh, a, a book quick, that... Quick plug. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I have your uh, your latest book here, which we'll talk about later. But Combating right. Cult Mind Control, uh, when I, I started out writing my, my first book, you know, the book uh, Escaping the Rabbit Hole, when you do a book proposal, obviously, you have to do comparable books and say, well, you know, what's the market like? Is there room in the market for this type of book? And I thought, you know, what books are there out there that are like that? And right. I thought, you know, the, there aren't really books that address conspiracy theories per se, but there certainly are books that address cults. So I, I looked up to see what's uh, what are the best books on mm. on cults and addressing that issue. And of course, your book was the one that kind of you know, bubbled to the top almost immediately as being you know the kind of both a classic and uh, you know an extremely uh, valuable book in that regard. And it seemed uh, very similar to what I was thinking of writing. And at the time, I hadn't read it. And I actually wrote my book before I ended up reading your book. You know, I dipped into it here and there, but I, I didn't actually read it. So, but you know, I kind of want to start off with just a kind of a as a way of getting into it, uh, kind of like the definition of what a cult is. And you know, I, I looked at it on Wikipedia, and it says it has this very banal definition, which is a social group with unusual religious, spiritual, or philosophical beliefs or interests and goals. But then, we, in popular uh, culture. When you talk about cults, you you're talking about kind of much more extreme things like you know, mind control and like these where everybody is like living together in terrible conditions and things like that. So, uh, and I, I notice you use the term destructive cults sometimes rather than just cults. Exactly. Yeah. Authoritarian. Yeah. yeah, I use the term. Um, uh, false conspiracy theories to distinguish it from the more banal conspiracy theories. So do you have problems with language like that? And how, how do you define a cult and how do you use the terminology of what a cult is in your work? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, and over 44 years, and I just really want to emphasize because in your book, you tell stories of people who've escaped the rabbit hole Mm -hmm. and how they've gone on to help other people to understand it. That's my story in a nutshell because I was a student at Queens College and and had no desire to join a group of any kind. So I was really interested in learning and growing, making the world a better place. But mostly I was interested in girls. <laughs> and the women who were recruiting me were flirting with me, and that was the initial hook. But to answer your question, Mick, um, my view at this point is to think about a continuum of influence hmm. from ethical to unethical. And I think the word cult can be applied to benign or even productive groups where there are very obsessive fans. Yes. But people have informed consent. They know what they're involved with. They have all ability to question the leader, the doctrine, the group. 
They can talk to whoever they want to talk to, read whatever they want to read, and they're free to leave without coercion or without phobias in their head that terrible things are going to happen to them. And so for me, the word cult in and of itself is not a bad thing, like a cult classic film, mm -hmm, etc. Uh, I was actually interviewed for a book called The Cult of Mac that came out, and I laughed when the the writer wanted to interview me and I said I gotta first disclose that I've only used Apple since 1982 and I currently have several iPhones and iPads etc so I'm in the book The Cult of Mac as a <laughs> adherent yeah it's um, interesting you know so so let's not get hung up in the word cult as an immediate negative but authoritarian cults or destructive cults where people are being um, lie to, they're being manipulated through guilt, fear, their information is controlled, the whole bite model, my behavior control, information control, thought control, and emotional control, all designed to make someone dependent and obedient right. so that you can't question individually, you're not encouraged to act on your conscience, you're not able to challenge the leadership you know, or the ideology or the policy. Otherwise, you're going to get a lot of social pressure on you that you're a bad person, which I'm witnessing with people who had been MAGA, heavy MAGA supporters who have left, who are just being bombarded by true believers, just like people who leave Scientology get bombarded uh, and yeah. criticized. And you, you refer to the term shill, like, you're a shell, you're a bet, you know, the personal attack on a person who raises questions and such. Well, you must have a, a different, a bad motive, or you must be a bad person and such. And like yourself, I've just been as transparent as possible, telling my story, you know, revealing my, my, uh, my vulnerabilities and flaws, and that I'm open to learning, as you, as you say in your book. Hey, if I'm mistaken, teach me. You yeah. know, if Scientology, if 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 the world's problems are really because of a galactic dictator named Zenu, seventy-five billion years ago, you know, please show me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's interesting that people have this 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 perception of of you or, or me as, as shills, and uh, <clears throat> but I also before the people reach that idea about me you often get this kind of like a reversal of perceptions like the people who are on like say the other side of the fence the people who are conspiracy theorists or maybe the people who are in cults they view me as being a victim of propaganda so they think that totally. you know, i am an, you know, i'm under satan. mind control yeah no, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm satan's agent right you know? yes yeah. And uh, it, but that's the whole black and white, all or nothing, good versus evil indoctrination. Uh, and again, anyone who's a critic or an ex-member in the mind of a cult member is horrible. Yeah. But at the moment they start realizing, holy mackerel, I like this guy. He seems genuine. What he says makes sense. Then they kind of have to sneak you know, to look at my website, freedomofmind.com, or sneak to a bookstore and uh, and get combating and read it. And yeah. combating has really helped a lot of people exit destructive cults because I'm just telling stories. My story, my deprogramming, learning about Chinese communist brainwashing, you know, and my journey and the people that I've helped. So by the time people are done with it, they're like, he was writing the book about my group when, in fact, I didn't even know what group they were in and never heard of it. Right. But they yeah. could read it and go, wow, this is so stereotypically appropriate. And so people can relate. So did you have that, that perception yourself when, when you were in a cult? Uh, you thought that people outside the cult were, were in, you know, under some kind of thrall of the media or something like that or, or of Satan? Oh, the communists and Satan. Yeah, that was my indoctrination. I didn't believe in Satan before the cult. Mm. I was raised Jewish, so I didn't even have a concept of evil spirits. But in the cult, I was brought to see the Exorcist movie, 
that <laughs> and then moon gave a lecture to the members and said god made this movie and it's a prophecy of what will happen to you if you leave the unification church and it was that evening that a really bad phobia was installed in my head where I wouldn't allow wow. any doubts into my consciousness. So people might, you know, meet me on the street while I'm recruiting them and bring up something. And I was just trained to do thought stopping and look at them as, you know, agents of the devil trying to, you know, seduce me away from my mission to save the earth. So when you came out of that, when you, you know, you were essentially deprogrammed and you came out of the cult, was there a period where you kind of had almost like the two perspectives simultaneously or did you it's kind of instantly flip from one to the other or is there a period of confusion in, in between? Good question. So I'm a mental health professional. I got uh, my master's in counseling psychology in 1985, and I've been teaching uh, fourth-year psychiatry residents at Harvard Medical School and elsewhere. And I want to say that the, the closest description as a mental health professional of brainwashing or mind control is a dissociative disorder. Hmm. Um, in fact, the DSM-5, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of the APA, has a designation 300.15, and it explicitly says brainwashing, coercive persuasion, thought reform. So what I'm trying to say to you is that the, the whole notion is that there was the real Steve Hassan from Flushing, Queens, New York. By the way, I grew up a mile from Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, the real Steve Hassan and the cult Steve Hassan, whose true parents were Moon and his wife, and and that cult identity suppressed my real identity. But at the point that I, that I had my insight in, in my deprogramming, which followed a near-fatal van crash and two weeks in the hospital away from the group, what happened was a thought bubbled up that Moon was not trustworthy. He was a liar. And as soon as that happened, I had an experience like a flip mm. of, and, and I described it in my book, like being in a dark room, someone opens uh, the, sh the, the blinds and the sun comes in. And I also described it as like being on the top of a skyscraper where you're at the top of the world and you're falling off of it and you have no idea where you're falling to. But I definitely had this back and forth, back and forth, what if it's true, what if it isn't true, what if it's Satan, what if the deprogrammers have brainwashed me, and it was really my intellect and my conscience and my core values and a, 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 a commitment to wanting to know what was real. And because I was a leader in the group, and I have a graphic that's in my website, because I was up here I had a lot of experiences with Moon and other people that most members never have. And it was really going into my experiences memory chamber as I was reading about brainwashing and, and, and other cults that it would surface, oh, that happened too. And it began a journey of trying to piece it together, which took, you know, honestly years. Yeah, yeah, I hear kind of similar things with people coming out of conspiracy theories and there's, you know, there's a lot of parallels here with conspiracy theories and some people describe conspiracy theories of, of various various types as being uh being cult-like but um, i actually think of it as an ideological cult not necessarily an a ideological person cult. one is venerating as a guru or a messiah and i have a very um because i was in the moon cult, which turned out that in my research, I found out I was an expert uh, for a congressional subcommittee investigation into Korean CIA activities in the U.S. And I wound up reading 11 volumes of it after Jonestown happened. And I realized that actually the CIA set up the Korean CIA and the founder of the Korean CIA said that he, quote, organized and utilized the unification church for use as a political tool. That I started to realize, aha, 
The communists know about brainwashing, but so does the CIA. Uh-huh. And, and so in my journey, I, I'm really weighted in uh, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, as opposed to any government or any alignment to an ideology. And, um, and I was, you know, the Moonies were brought to the U.S. They were, they, they created, they bought the Washington Times newspaper, which they operated at a loss of over $2 billion for over 25 years. You know, who's giving that money and for what purpose? And the, so there's a whole political angle to this. And in your book, you talk about Russia and Russia's goals to do um, psyops, psychological operations. And I think that not only Russia, China, ISIS, maybe Iran, maybe other state actors are using groups online and in person to advance their agendas. Interesting. And um, so there's a whole, there's a deeper picture here as I see it and and all I can do I'm 65 years old is say hey everybody the mind can be tricked we can be made to believe bad things and we can be turned against our own conscience our own values our own families and friends against our own country the constitution and let's be humble which I love in your book as well like Hey, if I'm wrong, let's look at the mm -hmm. information. Let's suss it out because if something's legitimate, it will stand up to scrutiny. And if it's not, why would we, you know, put our good name to it, invest time, energy, money? You know? Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting. Uh, you know, like when you describe that, you, you're kind of describing like a big uh, overarching conspiracy theory in a way that uh, you know so there's there are shadowy groups. Yeah, there are conspiracies, <laughs> but you need to have facts and yeah. you need ex-insiders yeah. ex who can pull back the curtain and explain and give documents. Like when I left the Moonies, I, I brought out all these internal documents of speeches of Moon where he said democracy was satanic. You know, we're going to we're going to put people in congressmen and senators offices to infiltrate the government you know, just really hardcore, obvious things about wanting to take over the world. Uh, and that's what I was groomed, that God wanted me to be a world leader in this idyllic, you know, kingdom of heaven that we were going to build on earth. Um, and when I was deprogrammed, I was like, wait a minute, I knew about the Holocaust. I read 1984. How did I become a right-wing fascist? who was ready to kill people if they didn't believe what the group said. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. And it's like people in conspiracy theories, they, they, they think I would never fall for a conspiracy theory. You know, people say I would never fall for a cult. No one actually thinks that they do, they're doing it and they don't see it happening while it's happening either. Cause it's kind of this, this gradual process. It's kind of another of the parallels. Yeah. For some people it's very incremental and gradual, but I'm seeing more and more online, Mick, uh, use of mm. hypnotic techniques, specifically through YouTube videos, etc., to uh, sidestep people's analytic minds and to put ideas directly into people's unconscious that they're not even necessarily aware are going into their heads. Yeah. And, and that's another part of the whole mind control um, arsenal. And I should say hypnosis can be used therapeutically, ethically to help people make life changes that are fabulous. But I would only trust a, a licensed mental health professional who's had a lot of clinical training with a, with a board that holds them, or tries to hold them accountable to the ethics versus all these people online. I'll teach you how to do hypnosis, you know. I have a certification from some nonsense organization that has no bearing or no weight whatsoever, and it's uh, very troubling. Yeah, it's interesting, the idea of hypnosis. Uh, one of the things you talk about in your, in your books is uh, a technique that is used within cults called uh, thought-stopping, uh, mm -hmm. where they will do something like, like chanting uh, or, or 
reciting various things as a way of, of blocking out uh, uh, thoughts from outside. And I've seen that. Block stopping is actually, Mick, a, a behavior modification technique. It's not a hypnotic technique. Right. But right. close your eyes and imagine yourself, you know, in the blah, 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 blah. And I won't do the voice. And I won't do the specific linguistic instructions. But a lot of what's being promoted as meditation is not meditation. Mm. It's hypnotic induction. Um, and, you know, the whole basis of my, my company, Freedom of Mind, is it's your mind. You should control it, not somebody else. And in order to control your mind, you need, you need to know intellectually and, and uh, consciously well, who are these people, what are their credentials, what do they actually believe, and what's going to happen to me if I get involved with this. And what's notoriously stereotypical with destructive mind controllers is they're liars, They lie um, by withholding vital information. They lie by distorting information. Or they'll be blatantly lying. Oh, I never said that. When, in fact, Mm. you have a tape that, and you heard the person, you know, three hours earlier say the exact same thing. And now they're denying it. And and people will say, oh, that's gaslighting. Yep. But, But... but if it's done very systematically to break you down, to disorient you, to confuse you, and then to program you into this new belief system, this new identity, that's what I'm talking about with destructive yeah. mind control cults. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, you have this, this issue of this kind of symmetry or this asymmetry of perception where they're, they're looking uh, from their side and they see the same thing uh, on you. And they will say like, oh, well, Steve, you're you're very glib and you're, you're, you're very persuasive and uh, I can feel myself being taken in by my arguments, but how do I know that you're not using some kind of mind control on me? I hear that from almost all my clients and I basically never do hypnosis on people deliberately, even though I am highly trained. Um, and I basically say my work is empowering people to think for themselves, make their own decisions and not to make you my slave or my obedient person. And if and I'm not perfect, and I make mistakes, and if you ever hear something you don't agree with, call me on it or ask me about it, and if it's a mistake, I'm going to write it, and I'm going to apologize. Um, but, you know, so you were talking about both sides, you know, the conspiracy theorist or the cult member and the person who's trying to debunk it or trying to a loved one trying to help someone in a cult. But I, what I didn't hear explicitly in, in your book was the need to get to that third perspective to mm. look outside, you know, to be able to go, well... Here's the the pros of this. Here's the pros of that. Here's the cons of this. Here's the cons of that. And this notion of switching perspectives is a very key concept for me of helping people to start reality testing. And a simple one that I wrote about in my book, Freedom of Mind, is just, you know, now that you've been in this group for 10 years, if you go back in time to when you were first introduced what did you think you were getting involved with and really encourage the person to reaccess their identity before mm-hmm. they jumped down the rabbit hole? Um, and if you knew then what you know now, do you think you ever would have, you know, pressed that next button or gone to that free dinner or whatever? And those are very important reality testing Uh, techniques that I urge my clients who come to me for advice on how to help a loved one. I I do intensive coaching in a customized way to help a specific, you know, person to start thinking. And it has to be custom. Yeah. And you have this, this, this concept that runs through your books of the, the authentic self that a person has Mm -hmm. like a, you know, an authentic being within them that is being suppressed by, uh, uh, by these 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 mind control techniques or this disinformation or whatever, and mm-hmm. that if they escape, they will return 
back to their authentic self. Now, is it, is it really the same as returning back to their, what they were before, or is it like an, a new authentic self? No, it's a good question, and it's, it's a model, okay? And it's mm. a model based on my own self-reflection, my own experience, as well as working with thousands of people over 40 years. It's more, for me, a sense of... Um, essence to to use try to find a word um who who's the who is the true mick you know the the genetic mick who you know is creative and caring and you know idealistic and wanting to help other people etc then it is a notion of a static you know uh fully formed self because we know when we're born you know, our our brains are not formed and we have genetic coding that will will emerge, but there are developmental steps and stages. And and even talking about my influence continuum that I mentioned before, one could look at healthy developmental things in a family or unhealthy, where mm. the healthy is the parents realize the child is unique and their job is to help them to grow up, to be their own unique self and to become individuated so they can function for themselves. Whereas the authoritarian family system is wanting to make them dependent and obedient, often using corporal punishment when the child is young and, 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 and wanting the child to do what the parents want them to do. Or else, and for me, that's not healthy development and and evolution. Yeah, yeah. The whole th- idea of influence and uh, undue influence is obviously like a big, big thing. Now, when you say undue influence, there's obviously people in in your life that will have a lot of influence over you, like your teachers and your parents. And you know, later on, if you you meet someone who becomes kind of a mentor to you in some way, uh, or just like you know, a really good friend who you have conversations with. How can you tell when it's uh, when it's kind of a negative influence? Is it, is it undue if it's just a very strong influence? Like if you have a really good teacher. So what's no, the I've undue had many aspect? Really, of it? really powerful teachers, and really powerful teachers. If you disagree with them, they'll say, "Tell me mm-hmm. why." And if and, and if they're they're not persuasive, why? <laughs> their point of view is better. They're not going to make you feel guilty or bad or reject you as a, as a mentee. Whereas in a mind controlling relationship, it really comes down to, uh, you know, in a sense, and here is another piece of the, the pie of a destructive author- authoritarian cult group is the leader is typically a narcissist or in some cases a malignant narcissist which includes the feeling of being above the law and the pathological lying and the manipulation and, and, and revenge factor and other things like that. And if a mentor is a malignant narcissist, I would never ask them to be my mentor. And, you know, getting out of the moonies, I got antenna that would go as soon as a malignant narcissist would even enter my sphere. So uh, it's really about, um, I've had some amazing teachers who are just brilliant uh, to teach me psychology, to teach me hypnosis, to teach me about brainwashing, like Robert Lifton, to name one. Um, uh, uh, Philip Zimbardo of Stanford is another mentor that I feel uh, great gratitude for. Um you know, supporting me as an ex-Mooney before I became a mental health professional, a lot of people uh, operate from what's known as the fundamental attribution error in social psychology. Have you heard that concept before, Mick? Uh, I have, but I, I, couldn't, I couldn't define it for you. Offhand. So the fun, it's, it's considered the single most important principle of social psychology, and it basically says that people have a bias around the world They have a bias when they're trying to understand a person's behavior. They tend to overestimate internal variables and underestimate social Mm -hmm. influence variables. So why did Steve get in the Moonies? He was weak. He was stupid. He he was looking for a father figure. He didn't have a good religious upbringing versus 
Steve wasn't educated about cults. His girlfriend dumped him. Three women flirted <laughs> with him and lied and, and, and put him through a systematic social influence process that subverted his ability to think for himself. Um, the good news is that people don't like to be lied to. They don't like to be abused and exploited. And so over time, especially if they're spending a lot of effort in a destructive cult, they burn out or they develop you know, physical ailments, psychosomatically oriented in some cases even, to just get the heck out of there. I fell asleep at the wheel of a, of a Mooney van due to sleep right. exhaustion, so that led to my, my exit. But, um, um, you know, I'm, I, all I know is that we're on one planet together and we ha it's a matter of survival to realize especially with this pandemic, that our fate is tied to other people. And if we know there are powerful forces wanting to create distrust, to sow confusion, to, to sow disharmony, to, to seed hatred, um, and we can look at it objectively, we can say no. And, and one of the things that's frustrated me so much when my book, The Cult of Trump, came out is this 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 blaming people who believe in Trump as they're stupid and they're weak and they're from bad families and all of that instead of understanding they've been influenced. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about uh, your book, which I have this copy that you sent me right here. It's a very interesting book, uh, but in the obvious problem uh, with the book is that it is uh, it's kind of accusing almost half the country of being in a cult which seems like a, a problematic way of, of, of addressing it. I mean, I think obviously I agree with a lot of the stuff in the book, and I'm certainly not a Trump supporter, and I, I think that you know, a lot of the stuff you point out is correct. And this is something that you discuss in the book yourself. You say like, it doesn't help to point out to someone that they are in a cult. Exactly. And you, yet you've got flaw. this entire book explaining it. Is this is not a book for Trump supporters? It is. It's for everybody. It really was a matter of conscience for me when I was approached by my agent to do this book by this title, mm. and Simon Schuster wanted to publish this book. And as I said earlier in this interview, my view of cult is on a continuum of ethical, benign, constructive to destructive. And I say that in the introduction of the book as well. But I, I, it was an opportunity I felt that as much as I have not been a political person um, as a therapist who doesn't want to alienate Republican clients or, or other people, a matter of conscience that's the person who is in the most powerful office uh, in, the mo in the most powerful country in the world uh, ha is the profile of a malignant narcissist and was deliberately using mind control techniques, which I have a whole chapter on. Mm. Um, and I just felt like if, if, if this is what the, the Simon and Schuster insists as a title, um, should I do it? Should I not do it? I couldn't come up with a better alternative title in terms of attempting to try to get to the biggest audience um, but what's interesting is since the book has come out, the mainstream media has not had me on at all. And so a lot of podcasts and smaller things. But a lot of people, including former members of the Trump administration, are calling it a cult. Yeah. You know, cult of personality, etc. So the term is being used, you know, uh, all the time by everyone. Uh, of course, the Trump believers you know, write to me and say, I'm in the cult of Soros and I'm a yes. libtard <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I've been brainwashed by the liberal media. So, but I'm like, well, let's talk. You know, if you know more about brainwashing than me, please educate me how I've been brainwashed. But that in, invokes them needing to learn more about brainwashing and, and the basis and the models that I yeah. use. Now, it's a relatively new book. Uh, yeah. Have you got 
feedback from people that it has helped? I have not heard from more than a handful of people who were magus, you know, trolls yeah. and supporters who said, wow, your book woke me up. I've had more contact from people reading Combating because I don't talk about Trump in it. Um, maybe I, I mentioned in the new introduction, 2018, but other than that, there's nothing about Trump in it. Um, uh, and the mistake that a lot of family members have made is just buying the cult of Trump and, right. and mailing it to someone and <laughs> just going to only be incendiary yeah. versus, Hey, this book came out. I'm, I was curious would you consider reading it and talking with me about it? That would be a more likely uh, scenario that would get good, better results. But you, as, as you have said, you know, uh, I'll read one of your books, you read one of my books, but let's agree to spend the time to talk about yeah. our perspectives on the information in each of these books. Yeah, polite disagreement, I think, is kind of a, a great a great basis for, for moving forward. You yeah, don't respect. need to be Yeah, yeah. respect. And not call names. And um, you know, what what is will be, you know, the truth will out eventually. Yeah, but you know, obviously you, you realize and you've seen the reaction that uh, diehard Trump supporters would have to a book like this, where they would just view it as, as like you say, you're part of the George George Soros uh, crowd. It's very difficult yep. uh, to get over that. And, uh, you know, I think my book uh, is also not something that I would just say, like, uh, give to your conspiracy theorist friends to read, because it's a guide for you to help them. Uh, exactly. And not so much for them to help themselves. Although, of course, if they're if they're actually open to that, then you know it's something that would be usable. Yep, I'm really glad you reached out to me because honestly, I'd not heard of you before, and I really love the work that you're doing oh, with conspiracy you. theories and metabunk.com. So I intend to you know develop the connection and and figure out ways of how to help people. To, to reality test. And what I especially liked in your book is just saying that it's going to take time. Like, don't expect a knockout punch in one conversation. You know, it just it doesn't yeah. work that way, especially when people are in an information silo where they're constantly getting reinforcement of the cultic beliefs, the black and white, all or nothing, good versus evil mentality. It's going to take a lot of people to interact with that person, asking questions in a respectful way, help me yeah. to understand it. And, uh, and that's why over the decades I've evolved this approach where I work with family members, friends, ex-members, build a network who care about the person so that it's all not just one person uh, interacting with uh, the cult member. Yeah. And, you know, that give it time thing is why I, I when I asked you, you know, how do you get much feedback about the book from people who, who it has helped? I didn't really expect you would have had very much because I, you know, I know that it does take time and you don't suddenly just you know have someone read a book or even have their family read a book and have them flip flop. It's almost like you're you're just uh, you're improving things at an overall level rather than just zipping in there, changing someone's mind and zipping out again. It's uh, it's part of, I think, of a bigger picture. Uh, you know, a way yep. of having people look at these issues and being aware of these issues and figuring out how to deal yep. with them and getting these 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 avenues of communication uh, going. Yeah, and letting people know that there's someone they can go to or yeah. a website when they're ready to read to poke around. Yeah, the information is out there. A lot, a lot of people are finding conspiracy theories. They don't even realize that there is uh, you know, information from the other side, which is you know, good information. And uh, it's something of a revelation when they actually get this source. You know, something like uh, former believers. I know this is something yeah. with cults that they have this uh, information control. is a big part of your, your bite model, how you define cults. big part yeah. of this information control. They stop you from hearing about people who used to be in the cults. And so it's right. you know, important to get that across to people. 
Right. And if you are so sure of your beliefs, why wouldn't you talk yeah. to critics and former members? And that is really what my father, you know, convinced me to do the deprogramming voluntarily. He 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 was like, I just your mother and I just need to know you're not brainwashed and you're right. you're thinking for yourself. And I said, trust me, I I know I'm not brainwashed. I know that I'm not in a cult. And they said, prove it. Just give us five days. Listen with an open mind to these. And they were ex-moonies, three out of the four. And if you want to go back at the end of five days, we'll drive you there. You know, myself, my father said this. And at least he said we could sleep at night knowing we did the responsible thing. Yeah. And and he, he touched my heart. And it was like I wanted to prove to him I wasn't brainwashed and I wasn't under mind control. And that was my mindset going into the uh, into the deprogramming where the ex-members weren't mean, nasty, you know, all the things I had been programmed to expect of ex-members. And I learned about Chinese communist brainwashing. And and in the moon cult, when I was in, it was very anti-communist, and it was Satan's army to take over the world for Satan. So I was very interested and open to Chinese communist brainwashing techniques. So when they went through Robert Lifton's thought reform and the psychology of totalism, I was interested. And then each one, as we went through it, by the time that we did all eight, I was thinking... Communism is Satan, we're God, but we do the same eight hmm. criteria. I still wasn't able to make that next step in my mind, but it was it started creating that dissonance of this does not add up. Yeah, the, the key to and the key for you there uh wasn't so much that the the information, it was that the fact that you got the information into your head, which only happened because you had your family there who were able to persuade you to be a bit more open-minded and actually consider that information. And I think like a real key that you talk about is uh, having good relationships with people that you're trying to help. And something that kind of, I found a bit disturbing on social media is the trend of uh, unfriending people who that you dis who you disagree with. Like if someone posts something that's pro Trump, say people will say, Oh, an another friend called from my friend list because they, you know, they have a photo of themselves in a MAGA hat or whatever, whatever it yeah, is. No, that that is the that's what cults want is for yeah. family members and friends to get angry and fed up and cut off contact because that leaves the person completely under their influence and control. And that's why, again, another point where I agree with with your approach is just saying, look, you know, I'm your brother or I'm your best friend from childhood. I'm going to always be your friend. And and we may disagree right now. But the important thing is that I value you. And we've had all these incredible life experiences together. And I and if it's a family member, I love you. And no matter what, I, I love you. And let's stay in touch. Yeah, no, I mean, people do even cut off family members, but so they also cut off people who are just like friends or even just like casual acquaintances that they, they know and they call their friend list. And I think for some people, it's kind of a self-preservation thing because they just get so upset with all of this, uh, what they see as. So, and then coming back to, again, uh, my approach and your approach, the you can say, you know what, let's put our uh, disagreements on a shelf and mm -hmm. let's just like talk about things we both agree on. If you're a dog lover, a cat lover, a sports fan or something else, let's, let's leave the controversial stuff and let's just be in each other's lives Yeah, is an intermediary step. Yeah. And you, you, you describe that as having regular positive contact uh, in, in the, in your, in the cult of Trump. Uh, which, you know, it does have the chapter nine is a very kind of practical chapter where you go through the various uh, stages where people can uh, help other people. And you're talking about having good relationships and building rapport and trust, uh, which is you know, a very important thing. And exactly. it, it's, it's an interesting thing, though, like you, you're trying to build rapport and trust, but in a way 
that becomes suspicious to people because they think you're trying to use psychology against them. How do you, how do you maintain a genuine uh, rapport and trust with people and stop them being suspicious of your, your overtures towards them? Um, I think you need to be honest with Mm. yourself and I think you need to be honest with the other person. And if they call me on, I think you're just doing this as a method and you don't really care about me or whatever. If I don't really care, what am I doing this for? (laughs) And, and unlike you, I, I, in your story, you, you made your money and you're doing this as a good deed. You call it a hobby, but it's really in my mind, the service to the planet to help other people. Uh, In my case, I do make a living uh, being hired by people, but I'd say 80% of my work week is pro bono right. free stuff to help people who can't afford it or putting out information to try to help others. But the, the bottom line is um, not lying because then you're doing what the cult is doing. And uh, probably the most honest thing I might say to someone if they're calling me on that particular point is, you know, There's two parts of me. Part of me is genuinely wanting to care about you, know you, share with you, and and, and assist. And part of me is uh, wanting to uh, understand more about this group. And and I do, you know, I am worried about you. And I do feel like there's, there's a detrimental side to this that you're not considering. Yeah. Yeah. That's something... Something else you mentioned in that chapter is uh, quite a large section on helping them undo their phobias. And this is something you mentioned earlier, like the the cults uh, will instill Mm -hmm. phobias and fears uh, within people. And with with Trump, you have like fear of uh, unchecked immigration and things like that, Uh, or or fear of the Democrats uh, taking away your guns. It's it's something with conspiracy theories, I hadn't really thought about that much, but then I, I... Something I I think about with some of the conspiracy theories is a book uh, called uh, Purity and Danger by uh, by Mary Douglas, which is kind of a classic kind of anthropology book. And Mm. it's talking about um, how there's a a subconscious fear of disease and being Mm. infected by things that kind of underlies a lot of people's thoughts. They want to be clean. There's these ritual hand washing and things. Mm. Do you think that sounds that's like something that stuff we learned in childhood, Mick? Yeah, from our parents about washing our hands before we eat. But yeah. you know, the fear is a major protector of how humans evolve to be so successful as a species. Because if something is truly dangerous, we want to avoid it. But where we're talking about phobias, we're talking about things that are, are, our brain is reacting as if there's danger mm. when there's, in fact, no danger. And the only way to evaluate is using our analytic critical mind. You know, so, for example, if a person has a phobia of dogs and they're shown a book with pictures of dogs and their heart starts racing and they start you know, uh, having an anxiety attack, I, I say, you know, there's no danger in looking at a picture of a dog. Right. Let's learn techniques for how to get rid of that trigger, that association, and use your critical thinking to know the difference between a rabid dog, you know, it's a Doberman pincher, you know, or a pit bull versus a little puppy versus a picture. Yeah. And, I've outlined a three-step phobia intervention in my book, Freedom of Mind, because once you understand the difference between a a legitimate fear and a phobia and how to fix a a normal phobia, the next step is teaching people about how other groups put phobias in people's minds to control them and getting them to agree, yep, that's really obviously bad. Um, You know, that's a bad use of phobias and then the question of if you decide you want to exit your group or your belief system what do you think is going to happen and waiting and and being quiet while the person thinks about it 
that they, you know, if they are in a program state of mind, they're only going to be able to generate negative scenarios of being taken over by evil people or being in hell or evil spirits invading them or aliens, you know, taking over the earth or whatever. And teaching them how to how to meet ex members who've left and they don't have these anymore. Yeah, it's interesting. Like that brings to mind kind of we're talking about uh, symmetries uh, in perceptions here. With with that, there's there's kind of a a thing from the Trump supporter side where they they say that you know you're being, you're a brainwashed Democrat or whatever, and then they have uh, a movement. Uh, which is, you know, I kind of think might be a bit of an astroturf movement, which is the, uh, what's, I can't remember what it's called now. It's like the, the, the leaving or stepping away or something about it. It's a movement where people move away from the Democratic Party and they, because they, they think, you know, Democrats are, uh, uh, you know, become corrupt over time. And this is something that's promoted by... Both parties are corrupt. Let me well, just yes. state that. <laughs> I wrote in the cult of Trump about a cult called the family that's been operating in Washington for 80 right. years. They do the national prayer breakfast and they have Democrats and Republicans and atheists and libertarians in the family. And yeah. I recommend people watch the Netflix series, the family. If I they watched, wanna... I watched it. It was very interesting. It's kind of an eye opener as well. The, the it, amount of influence that this religious groups and this, this just the, the prayer breakfast has on Washington is quite uh, quite astonishing, really. Yeah, so I, I, I really want to um, blow the smoke away from the idea that's been promulgated. There's no such thing as mind control or everything is mind control. Right. And I want people to understand there's ethical influence and unethical influence and that ultimately if you're an adult you should be in control of your own mind, your own thoughts, your own choices, and you need information to make good decisions. And if you're only getting information from one news source, one Facebook page, or a collection where they're all mirroring the same beliefs, and those beliefs are black and white, all or nothing, good versus evil, and put down everyone else, oops, just knocked over a tripod, and and demonizes everyone else that doesn't believe what they believe. Warning, warning, warning. Mm-hmm. You know, anybody of any group. It, you Because reality is more complex and very, and we don't know everything. And we should have humility yeah. and say, look, if something's legitimate, it'll stand up to scrutiny. Let's see your facts. <laughs> I'll show you my facts. Yeah, no, it's that, it's that dialogue uh, that's going to be the thing that's the key. Uh, we're, we're coming up on an hour. I just wanted to, like, I, ask, I, I often ask on Twitter, like when I've got an interesting guest on, like what, what should I ask this guest? And I find these questions kind of interesting because they, they tell you something about, about the audience. And you know, maybe we can just go through a couple of them if, you, if you've sure. got a couple of minutes. Uh, one of the questions I found very interesting was, uh, is taking a hard stance towards such, such cases in your family uh, by showing them your deep disappointment and disapproval a viable option or does it just lead to alienation do we sometimes have to shut the door in discussions to reopen it under different conditions every every case is different and usually when people get to me they've already made all the classic mistakes mm. for months or years of yelling screaming trying to argue the person out of the belief system and such so Again, I, I recommend a, like, let's start over. I care about you. You know, let's remember, if it's a family member, let's go back to our childhood together or, you know, positive of uh, memories, etc. And you're an important person to me and you're intelligent and I respect you. And honestly, some of the things you've shared just doesn't sound like you and it's not anything that I, you know, can relate to, but maybe you're right. Just what you were saying in your, maybe there's, maybe I'm missing something or maybe I have been brainwashed and such. So let I, and, and, but the point is, is not lying 
Um, but being forthright and open and kind of modeling for the person that it's okay to question and, and concede points if they give if, if they teach you something new that you didn't know to say, huh, I hadn't thought about that. One friend of mine who is like the New York Times, I'm, I'm canceling my subscription. I don't think it has anything to do. And I'm like, well, what do you read? Well, I watch, I'm reading the Wall Street Journal. So I subscribe to the Wall Street Journal. You know, I still read the New York Times, but I subscribe to the Wall Street Journal. And I'll share Wall Street Journal articles with my friends to say, what do you think of this? Or what do you think of that? Yeah. Yeah, so I guess like you're you're kind of a, a half a yes in a way because you you do um, encourage kind of rebooting the conversation, uh, but I, yeah, I don't exactly. think you would say by shutting it down by uh, uh, by showing your deep disappointment and disapproval isn't really a viable way of doing it. You can do it more with love than with uh, than disapproval. No, and I I encourage family members and friends to apologize if the person felt insulted or put down by you by something you said. And another technique that I've shared with my clients that I think, you know, is is genuine uh, is kind of a bifurcated response. Mm. Like part of me, you know, wants to believe that you are, you know, know what you're talking about and that, you know, we the, the Armageddon is going to come any moment and Jesus is going to, you know, come on the clouds. And part of me has real doubts about that. And isn't sure if if this is actually rooted in the Bible and such. Yeah. So you're doing you're doing a, a dual uh, communication, both to the authentic self and the cult self, um, and you, and you're not dialing yourself out by trying to put yourself I'm right, you're wrong, you know, or do anything like that, but try to find a common ground. Yeah, yeah, have a discussion where you can actually reach some kind of agreement. Uh, yep. Another question from from Twitter, which is uh, an interesting question, <laughs> is where does victimhood end and personal responsibility begin in terms of vulnerability to cults? Which is kind that of is a, a, a loaded question in a way, but it's kind of uh, interesting uh, perspective that people will think about personal responsibility is your fault. Yeah, a lot of mind control cults actually indoctrinate their followers, some of them hypnotically, that there's no such thing as a victim. Mm -hmm. And that if you were raped when you were five years old, you actually created that experience for yourself because your soul needed to learn something valuable. And so the, there, there's, there's this programming against the idea of a victim. And um, so what I, my take is that people can be victimized, whether mugged or raped or some terrible thing happens to them. But that's different than like wearing it for the rest of your life as an identity, like, that is something I've been accused of. Like, Steve, you're in the Moonies for two and a half years. Why do you keep talking about it? Well, other than in my work, I don't think about it. Yeah, It's not, it's not part of who I am in 2020. I'm in a doctoral program. I'm, I'm teaching. I'm, I'm consulting. I'm helping people. But I use my personal experience to say, hey, it happened to me. And I'm a good person from a solid home. I was an extra honor student. You know, they got me to throw out all my poetry uh, as a demonstration of my faith. I was prepared to die or, or kill on command when I was in the cult. And when I woke up, I was horrified that I helped this cult recruit so many people yeah. in it. And I wanted to right the wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so one last question from the, the Twitter uh, uh, sphere is uh, um, it's not so much a question it is more of a commentary which is ask him about the irony of being a conspiracy theorist who evangelizes his own constructed conspiracy theories with the fervor of a recently converted zealot and with the following of a cult leader and I think they're talking about you here so some people have the perspective of, of you of almost being a cult leader how would you respond to that? 
Um, when I left in 1976 and went on TV for the first time saying that the Moonies were a cult, I was accused of being uh, uh, the negative messiah by Moon himself, I was mm. told later, wow. and that I was leading the cult of the anti-cult. So this goes back many, many years and, you know, again, for me, the model on the influence continuum is I may have, you know, people who've been helped by my work who, who want to share that work with other people, but I in no way am telling them and controlling them, making, using fear and guilt and extracting money and demanding time from them uh, versus the mission. Um, I want to. I'm going to be very controversial now, and I know it's the end of our of our session. Drum roll! But one of my teachers for over 30 years is a forensic psychologist. He was one of the lead experts for the victims of the Catholic Church sex abuse. Okay. And he and his name is Daniel Brown, and he worked with Sirhan Sirhan for over 12 years. And and uh, so I've been hearing about this for 12 years from him, and there's overwhelming evidence that he didn't kill Robert mm-hmm. Kennedy, like overwhelming factual forensic evidence. Even the man who he actually shot testified at Sirhan's parole board hearing. He shot me, but he didn't kill RFK, and the bullet came from behind that killed RFK. So was there a conspiracy? Actually, my mentor says he was hypnotized and brainwashed MKUltra to be a distractor right. for RFK's assassination. Interesting. And there's a, there's a documentary film that's on YouTube where he does a long in, uh, interview about this. So MKUltra was real. <laughs> The CIA has used groups like mine to do their bidding in, in, in America and in other places. I actually fasted for Richard Nixon during Watergate <laughs> because God wanted Nixon to be president as right. a Mooney. And some young Moon actually went to meet Nixon after a family prayer breakfast in 74, I believe it was. So the, 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 this is a conspiracy, but we have facts around this. And so the whole deep state thing, it's not a black and white all or nothing. There are people involved with the spy world that are have done some very bad things, and they don't want to be held accountable, and they should be held accountable. It's fascinating stuff. Like, yes, it's... Uh... <laughs> Where do uh, where does where does the truth where does the truth begin in conspiracy theories? It's always a very kind of murky subject because you don't have this this access to easily verifiable information. Like you you're, you're talking about something like that a friend of yours told you, uh, and it's hard for me to then go in and verify that. Uh, and you get the similar types of things in other theories. But there, but I'm saying, Mick, uh, as you've done such an incredible job with chemtrails and contrails, like there really is a lot of work that has factual basis yeah. to it. Yeah. And but I, I brought this up at the end just to, to for any of your listeners to to understand. I'm not like all or nothing, or the Democrats are perfect, or, you know, the CIA is great, or whatever. No, but my frame is, we know a lot about how to manipulate and indoctrinate and program people into mind control cults, and there's methodology that has worked to help people wake up and exit them. But it is going to take a lot of you know, consciousness raising that this 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 technology exists. This actually exists. Fascinating stuff. And I, I want to thank you very much for, for sharing all that with me and being on the show. And thank you for your books. Thank you for sending me this book, uh, The Cult of Trump. Uh, it's a very interesting book. 
yours uh, <laughs> and spinning it kindly. Yeah, uh, the cult of Trump. You know, it's 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 obviously not something that's going to appeal on on its face to everybody, but it it is really kind of a, a book. I think that. Uh, would be of interest to anybody, and even if, even if you're uh, deeply on the other side, it's uh, it's good to know what the other side is actually talking about, so that you can honestly uh, refute their arguments rather than uh, just demonizing them. So, yeah, yep. it's a, a very interesting book, as are your other books, uh, especially like Combating Cult Mind Control, a classic, which inspired my my own work. And uh, uh, where can people find you on the internet? freedomofmind.com is my website and Twitter. I'm cult expert, uh, as on Instagram, I'm cult expert and I have a YouTube channel. Uh, you can look up freedom of mind resource center, which is my company name. Right. And I, have, I don't know, 200 free videos that people can look at. Okay. Any, uh, any closing thoughts? I'd like to talk more with you, actually. If you're open to doing an interview, sure. I'd like to talk about, um, you know, COVID conspiracies and, mm. um, um, you know, just what what the future could look like and yeah. what it, you know, and how to empower more people to reach out to their friends and family that have gone down the rabbit hole, whether it's a just a conspiracy theory or a full-fledged cult organization that they were recruited into online. Yeah. Um, so if you're open to it, maybe we can do another and I'll write a blog and introduce Definitely. you to my, my folks. No, no, I would love that. That would be great. Yeah. It's cool. uh, the more, the more the merrier, the more the better. Great. All right. Thanks Stephen, so thank you. Thank you very much. Have a great right, day. You, go. you too. Bye. Bye.